Time being 7 o'clock, I call the June 8, 2022 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate excuse me, participate remotely via phone or you may click the Zoom link that's on the posted agenda and on the town's website. And that phone number is 929-205-6099. And the meeting ID is 846-1580-5700. Then you have to hit the pound sign. Once again, the Zoom ID is uh, 846 one five eight zero five seven zero zero pound and if residents are just interested in watching the meeting again it will be live streamed by franklin tv and on comcast channel 11 and verizon 29. Uh, tonight councillor jones is unable to attend but will be participating remotely and i've asked uh, councillor pellegri to sit in for as clerk of the council for tonight. Uh, she'll assume the duties. Okay, next item on the agenda, citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. Town Council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Okay, is there anyone out in uh, Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? I don't see anybody. You, Alicia? Okay, moving on. Uh, next item on the agenda is the approval of minutes. I uh, first entertain a motion to approve the minutes from April 13th 2022. So moved. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, additions, deletions. Seeing none, the clerk will call the roll. Okay. Um, Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Frangillo? Yes. Myself? Yes. Mellon uh, Hamlin? Yes. 
Jones. Jones? Yes. Yes. Delaco? Yes. Mercer? Yes. Unanimous. Motion carries. I next entertain a motion to approve the uh, minutes from May 4th, 2022. So moved. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Additions, deletions. Seeing none, the clerk will call the roll. Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Angelo? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Hamblin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Delaco? Yes. Mercer? Yes. Unanimous. Motion carries. Okay, next item on the agenda is appointments. Uh, we don't have any scheduled this evening. No hearings either this evening. It's a good night so far. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, proclamations and recognitions. Uh, the first uh, this evening is a proclamation recognizing the Franklin Flyers youth hockey team. And I'd ask Councillor Cormier Ledger to. semifinal game in eight overtime periods but going on to win the South Shore Conference champs. Whereas on March 26, 2022, the Franklin Flyers U14 hockey team competed in the South Shore Conference semifinals against the South Coast Panthers. And whereas game one was tied one to one at the conclusion of the three regular periods and then continued for an additional eight overtime periods. <laughs> I couldn't even stay up for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play in that many times. Whereas after two and a half hours of tireless effort and outstanding performance, the Franklin Flyers scored the winning goal in the eighth overtime period, clinching their advancement to the next round. And whereas the Franklin Flyers went on to win South Shore Conference Championship the very following day on March 27, 2022. Now hereby be it known that the Franklin Flyers U14 hockey team is hereby commended and recognized by this town council, the town of Franklin, for winning your South Shore Conference semifinal game in eight overtime periods and going on to become conference champions. It's signed June 8th, 2022, Thomas Mercer Chair. And on behalf of all of us, boys, congratulations. You did us proud.
understood that you want to have a seat for just a couple of minutes. We have one more proclamation, then we'll bring you up here and we can get some good pictures in front of with the entire council. Next, uh, we have a proclamation recognizing the Franklin High School Theater Company. And I know uh, Councilor Jones, who was unable to be here this evening, uh, this was something that uh, uh, he wanted to, uh, to bring forward. So I've asked Councilor Frangillo to read the proclamation this evening. Yes, thank you. Um, I, I got the uh, pleasure of, of seeing this performance, and I, I can't say enough good things about this performance. It, it was done entirely uh, from scratch, and the amount of time that they had to set up and take down was insanely limited. And within those constraints, the creativity of the set and like how uh, it came to life and drew you in and put you into this new world, and all the individual performances were amazing, including. Uh, Simon Jones, who was hilarious and crushed it, and uh, you guys have a lot to be proud of. Anyway, the proclamation reads as follows. A proclamation honoring the Franklin High School Theater Company on being selected as a finalist in the 2022 Massachusetts High School Drama Festival. Whereas on April 2nd, 2022, the Franklin High School Theater Company took their one-act production of Cave Dream to the annual drama festival hosted by the Massachusetts Educational Theater Guild after advancing past the preliminary round on March 19th, and whereas many Franklin students received individual or ensemble awards for their performances on stage and behind the scenes at both the preliminary and the final rounds of the competition, and whereas their production of Cave Dream, Cave Dream was selected as a top 14 finalist out of more than 90 schools competing in this statewide event, and whereas this outstanding achievement is especially meaningful as it marks the first time in the Franklin High School Theater Company's history that it has been named a finalist in this very competitive drama, drama festival. Now, therefore, it be known that the Franklin High School Theater Company is hereby commended and recognized by the Town Council of the Town of Franklin for being selected as a finalist in the 2022 Massachusetts High School Drama Festival. Jones an opportunity to speak because uh, I know he really wanted to be here this evening. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, in all honesty, I'm just so happy for this group. Um, I'm so glad we were able to get the proclamation for you guys. Your your performance in, in uh, Cave Dream, as well as all the other performances that the High School Performing Arts Group, Theater Group has done, is just an absolutely tremendous. And I want to congratulate you guys on hard work that they put into making it. Um, you know, 14, one out of 14 the schools in the region, that is a tremendous, tremendous feat. And um, we can't say enough about how much we appreciate all the hard work and the wonderful performances that you guys put. Um, I know my son, Simon, who is here with me today, he just wanted to say uh, how much of a great job he did as well. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's like, I do. Um, Mr. Erskine and the crew, again, congratulations. And my apologies for my absence today from the meeting, but um, I look forward to the next performance that you guys Thank you, Councilor Jones. We'll take a two minute recess and we'll get a chance to get some pictures with uh, both groups.
call the June 8th uh, Franklin Town Council meeting back to order. Um, next item on the agenda is license transactions. Uh, the first license transaction is a modification, change of hours. PH uh, Franklin Inc. doing business as Railery Public House, located at 280 Franklin Village Drive, Franklin Mass. The clerk will read the license transaction. Okay, change of hours. PH um, Franklin House Incorporated doing business as Railery public house is seeking approval for a change of hours on their 12 restaurant all alcoholic beverage license to change the opening time of 11 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sunday. All departments have signed off on this application. Motion to approve the rest of PH Franklin House Incorporated DBA Rally Public House to change the opening time of 11 to 10 11 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sundays. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie? Mr. Chairman, they're just asking for an extension of one hour on Sundays. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Chandler. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> Three, Mr. Chairman. Actually, is Mr. Stowers on? Uh, I want to say something nice. I don't know if he was on, um, I think on Zoom. I think Glenn. Anybody for Railway? Glenn? Well, I am here. Glenn South. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I, um, I was going through a packet, and I read a, one of your favorite quotes from 25 years ago in the packet, and I can see why you're a successful businessman. Um, the quote was, the largest learning curve in your business was nothing is as easy as it looks, and the real path is a slow, methodical approach. I thought that was a great quote, and um, I need to see why you're so successful in business, and I'm glad that you chose Franklin for another site for your store. I mean, your restaurant. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Any other questions or comments? Councilor Flavory. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I'm just asking why you're planning to change, you would like to change, 11 a.m. to an earlier opening, 10 a.m. on Sundays. Um, that kind of bothers me. Uh, have you had a lot of questions from people that you've been busy on Sunday mornings? Um, then that's why you want to do this? What, what brought this change, the idea of the change? Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for the time. Uh, we're interested in, in, in adjusting the hours to uh, have brunch. Uh, we think brunch will be a real addition to the company and to the town. And, uh, so this is to add to your brunch, your alcoholic license change. Okay, I understand yes. that. Thank you very much, sir. Any other questions or comments? Yes, Mr. Chairman. Councillor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Glenn, that, thank you for coming tonight. Um, you guys run a really good business. And thank you for opening up the Franklin. It's just, you know, the economic development has always been one of my big things. And you guys doing this time has been a big benefit for the community uh, on top of running a great establishment in the Franklin. 
Um, one of my questions, and I believe it's been brought up to management already, is that um, according to Franklin bylaws, as far as um, alcohol is concerned, and us being the licensing authority of the town, one of our bylaws states that there needs to be food that's tangible, uh, uh, you know, food of substance during um, the period of serving alcohol. I just wanted to make sure that you got, you are aware of that bylaw, that you need to serve food of some substance up until I believe it's half an hour before closing time. Uh, thank you, uh, Glenn, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, we love being in Franklin. We love, uh, the town has been fantastic. The people are uh, outstanding. The youth is, um, it, it is refreshing. Uh, like yeah, I saw young folks on, on the uh, show here earlier today. Uh, the youth has been a, a great experience. They are, they give you hope, again, about the youth. Um, but <clears throat> to answer your question, yes, we did. We served food about two. Uh, we're within 15 minutes. Good. I just wanted to make sure. It really is a pleasure having you. Uh, and uh, hopefully you guys will continue to grow. We're looking. We're looking at more. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Any other counselors? Seeing none, the clerk will call the roll. Uh, Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Frangillo? Yes. Pellegri? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. DeLaco? Yes. And Russell? Yes. Done. Passes. Motion carries. Glenn, thank you. <coughs> Good luck. Thank you. Good luck with the uh, brunches. Thank you. Okay. Uh, the next licensed transaction is new farmer <coughs> winery, farmer's market license, Crave Mead, LLC, doing business as Crave Mead. Located at 7 Main Street, Unit 1, Blackstone, Mass. Clerk will read the license transaction. Okay. License transaction, Rachel Humphreys, Crave Mead, LLC. This is a request for a farmer's winery, farmer market license to allow samples and a sale of bottled wine at the Franklin Farmers Market pursuant to Chapter 138. Section 15F. Motion to approve the issuance of a farmer's winery, farmer's market license to Rachel Humphreys, Crave Mead, LLC. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie? Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, uh, through you to the council, um, tonight's application is uh, for Rachel Humphreys to be able to do, uh, to have samples at the Franklin Farmer's Market. Um, I know this is an issue that's uh, not new to this council. Um, I also think it reflects really quickly this uh, application has been reviewed and uh, approved by all departments um, and I just want to give a quick plug uh, to Lauren and Roger uh, who have done a phenomenal job at the farmers market um, and I think this shows the interest in Franklin um, and it shows uh, the leadership that they've shown to bring in a lot more diverse businesses um, and it's a great addition so happy to answer any questions and I believe Rachel is smiling on the zoom call right here in front of us if you have any questions. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Frondillo. I never knew I liked meat until I tried her meat. It's very good. <laughs> 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 Thank you. 
Anthony Sheridan. Yeah, more, more wine the better. Councilor Chandler. Through you, this might be to um, Mr. Sorrell. We're granting the license tonight. Were they doing this this Friday, serving wine this Friday at the farmer's market? Um, actually, that goes to Rachel. No, we skipped We skipped last Friday because we hadn't gone to the meeting yet. So we just didn't go. You're going this Friday? Uh, no, my next date is uh, 7.15. I'm only signed up for four days. Okay, thank you. I just, because I was, I was going through this and it looked like there had to be a seven day waiting period yes. after we um, approved it. So I just want to make sure that was all in order. Thank you. Okay, that was it. Good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Any other councilors? Seeing none, the clerk will call the roll. Okay, uh, Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Frangillo? Yes. Ledger? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. DeLaco? Yes. Mercer? Yes. Yes. Carries. Congratulations, Rachel. Good luck. Thank you so much for everyone's help on this. I appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll see you there. Look forward. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. Okay. Uh, next item on the agenda is presentations and discussion. Yes. Presentation, discussion, North Grove Priority Development Area Redevelopment Concept. Observing Land Institute. Technical Assistant Panel and Mass Development. It's a moment. <laughs> sure. We agree. Uh, Jamie, would you like to do the leading? Sure, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you very much, and to the Council. Uh, I'm, I'm going to let them do a lot of the introductions uh, and talk about their organizations, but uh, this is really exciting. Uh, for those of you who have been on the Council, even those who are new, you know a lot about New Style. I don't need to say any more than that. Um, uh, I just want to give a, a quick plug to uh, Brian Tiverter and Amy Love, um, who have, uh, for many, many years, uh, my predecessor, all of you, have been looking for a solution to that property off Grove Street. Um, and we were really excited um, that Brian uh, applied for a grant last year um, to fund uh, this exercise today. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and we were lucky enough uh, through Mass Development, Mary's here tonight for Mass Development, um, which is kind of a quasi-state agency, as you know, um, who uh, has deep pockets. Um, and uh, <laughs> tremendous expertise at that agency. There are folks over there I've worked with for over 20 years, uh, and they really are a transformative state agency across the Commonwealth uh, with uh, incredible uh, financing legs to be able to do incredible projects. And for them to be able to be here tonight and finance this grant study uh, is incredible. And uh, I also want to give a plug, they're going to talk, and most of the folks here tonight are from the Urban Land, Land Institute, which is really uh, one of the most uh, uh, premier globally recognized uh, real estate and land use firms. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with them uh, a couple decades ago in my first job, and they really are uh, one of the most uh, elite and premier organizations of expertise uh, on land use. Um, I would note that um, this team in front of you has been uh, here all day. 
They have talked to all of the property owners around that area. They have talked to, interviewed some of the businesses coming into today. Um, they've done site visits, they've been outside, they've had breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I believe. I think there's some leftovers also in room 205 after the meeting, if anybody's interested. It smelled really good. Um, and, but in all seriousness, um, they've been here a full day, they've been doing interviews, they did a charrette, and nobody knows what is going to be on the screen tonight. We don't know what their recommendations are, I have not seen them, um, uh, Brian has not seen them, Amy might have gotten a glimpse. Um, so this is really exciting. Um, they have a full PowerPoint presentation that they actually drafted just over the last few hours. Um, and so the community is excited to learn um, exactly what their ideas are based on their full day analysis today uh, from some of, the, uh, some of the country's leading experts who are right now in the room on this. Uh, and um, I'm waiting with bated breath to see exactly what they say. One more quick note, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just want to also make a quick note that um, earlier this year, just a, uh, about a month ago, Governor Baker uh, filed a piece of legislation uh, using some of the federal stimulus money that the state got. Um, and while it's not approved in law yet, okay, very important clause, um, but I do want to note and I do want to thank Mass Development as well as all the state agencies who have been watching and helping us on this project. Um, there is a proposal in the governor's budget for uh, assessment and remediation at the new style property in Franklin uh, for $284,000. Uh, I just want to thank them uh, and the governor and the administration for recognizing this uh, uh, incredibly complicated property and project. Um, and I have sent a note to our legislative delegation, uh, Rep. Roy and Senator Spilfer and Senator Rauch to uh, do what they can on their end uh, with this legislation and see if we can get that through. So what would be even better is if we have a way to spend that money. And so now I will pass it over to Ed from the uh, Urban Land Institute and Mary from Mass Development to uh, get us started tonight. Thank you so much, folks. Thank you. And while Alicia sits here and uh, we're getting the, uh, so I gave them a heads up, we're a Google organization, but they still have PowerPoint, so we're gonna try to get the screen going here uh, in a second. And I don't know if you yeah. have any, uh, Well, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, um, uh, just uh, in the absence of time, I'm gonna start and introduce uh, who the Urban Land Institute is. Thank you very much, uh, Jamie. So the Urban Land Institute is a nonprofit organization. Uh, it's about 46,000 uh, members uh, internationally, and we're uh, comprised of all uh, manner of experts um, in the uh, real estate industry. So uh, we have uh, uh, agency folks, we have uh, town uh, 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 managers and, and real estate uh, focused uh, individuals, civil engineers, uh, real estate lawyers, et cetera, et cetera, um, environmental folks. So we, we um, tonight are the members of the technical assistance panel. And what we do and, uh, in the Boston area is we come together to look at problems that, t uh, that towns and municipalities have uh, and, uh, and we, we assemble the appropriate experts to look at the condition that's presented to us. And so what we've, we've done uh, for this is made sure that we had the appropriate folks in civil engineering, envi uh, environmental, uh, we, we have Mary, uh, as mentioned earlier, uh, from uh, Mass Development who, who has a, a background in helping with these type of sites uh, that are contaminated. 
So, um, so we, so <laughs> I'm ready to introduce everybody. We had a slide up there with, uh, with everybody, but I'm just uh, maybe waiting for the technology to catch up. Catch up, yeah. I don't know where I'm logging in. Right here. Give me a second, I got another idea. We like ideas. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, yes. I'll go next. My name is Mary Ellen DeFrias. I'm the Vice President for Community Investment for Mass Development. And we have been working on this project with the town for close to five years. So, and I will correct you, there's actually $284,400 in that line. Round, you, know. you round, we're very exact here in the finance world. Um, and we were happy to have that included in the economic development bond bill that uh, Governor Baker was so kind to help us move forward. We realize brownfields are a problem. Communities don't have the money to uh, fix them. And we, uh, while we understood why the town has been waiting to kind of figure out a plan to move forward. We're excited to be part of this TAP today in helping you guys figure out how to move this project forward. Uh, hopefully you like our ideas. Uh, you want to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, I'm Joe Marini. I do a lot of uh, development and construction. I also do seals with Gibson Sullivan's. Hi, and I'm uh, John Cusick with Bowler Engineering. I'm a principal with the firm. Um, I actually live in Franklin. Spent more time in Mrs. Pellegrini's house than uh, she probably cares to remember as a kid. You was always well. Nice to see you. Almost there, guys. Apologies. I'm uh, Jim Afternoon, I'm the other co-chair, uh, impromptu IT individual. PowerPoint's not wanting to cooperate. Exactly, we, we, gotta, we wanna show it to you first. PowerPoint was too big. Oh, so. she ha you have it up? You have it. Okay. Let's just switch computers. You got it? Yeah. Good. Take this off. Yeah. There we go. All right. Yay. I did see it up there for a second. It came up for a second and it went away on us. There we go. Yeah, so why don't we just jump to the, yeah. the uh, introduction. Yeah, yeah, and then you're, okay. so, so you can continue on from here. Okay, all right, yeah, so uh, getting our bearings straight, just to go back real quick. Uh, we started with uh, this site here um, and uh, together with Mass Development and being invited here by the town of Franklin. Uh, I was gonna say I, I um, admire your IT and sorry we couldn't match that because uh, you do have a fascinating IT and very well structured here and I appreciate all the monitors you have so uh, we appreciate that and appreciate you guys hosting us in, in the food. Uh, again, I'm Jim Heffernan, uh, co-chair here with Ed O'Rourke uh, I do commercial real estate development uh, in the area. Um, 
and we were put together as prof professionals from the Boston area, mass development, uh, financing, brokerage, um, environmental, and the three questions we were brought here for were, uh, first, is the town's North Grove PDA uh, EOA revitalization and access roadway project feasible given existing conditions uh, and constraints, or are, there, or are there better options? And we're going to get into that. Uh, can, the can the town create a public-private development partnership to implement the proposed project uh, or other project conceived during the TAP? And we're going to get to our other project conceived idea. And then what civic process you should follow. So we're going to give some recommended steps. Um, it, it helps to see pretty pictures. And uh, here we have the, the area we looked at. And the day really started, and this process really started several months back with the application. Uh, some of us on the real estate committee at ULI reviewing applications, looking at what we could do to help. Because we don't, you know, we're volunteering our time and you need you need help and expert advice and so we try to put together the right teams that takes about a couple months process and then really the town and brian and, and, and staff put together a briefing book which is a lot of information they have put together so really appreciate the work they've done um, we have a briefing meeting what we call briefing book meeting the week before uh our full day here uh, where we run through the materials that were provided to us uh, and then we get to do a site visit, and that started this morning. Uh, and really, there's a lot to read on paper. Uh, when you actually go to the site, it's it, it's really telling. And in uh, here, particular, if I had a little laser pointer, it's really two kind of two different ends. And you know, the site visit started on the right side with all the little parcels and the and the and the, uh, the the town owned property. Uh, and then we went over on the Forge Parkway side to see it from the other angle from the hotel, from the hotel parking lot. Um, we also had stakeholder interviews. Um, in other taps, that could be a whole assortment of people, but since this is such a focused project and targeted area, you know, we mainly talked to the, the property owners in the area and, and town officials. Um, to the two of the owners uh, who happen to own the largest areas here, uh, weren't available today, but we did talk to them on Zoom on Monday, realizing we should talk to the, the folks that own substantial acreage in this area. Uh, and that information was vital. Everyone we met with, um, uh, everyone in, in town is very polite and, and we felt very welcome. So uh, I do appreciate that. To provide context too, uh, for everybody, and maybe this is not new to you guys, uh, but the, the question was based on this road, uh, for lack of a better phrase, we call it the green line, but it's not the green line extension after Franklin. Uh, this was a proposed road to go uh, kind of between, kind of connecting those two dots of where we, we did a site visit. And whether that is a feasible option given the constraints. Um, and after looking at that and the site and interviews, we had a lunch. Uh, we talked about different ideas. Um, that's when the creative juices start flowing. For me, that's when the coffee started to hit. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, we, we put together this presentation. And it's worth noting, this isn't where we stop tonight. Um, after we, we get to sleep on a few of our ideas, we put together more formal written draft presentation and that will be issued in, in 10 to 12 weeks. 
So what did we hear? All right, so what did we hear? The good news is everybody agreed the site needed to be clean. <laughs> that made me feel good because you know we've done some assessment work on that. Um, but there were some there were some challenges that everybody did recognize. Right? There's topography issues. It's not the easiest land. Um, it, the old Forge Road is no longer recognized. I keep calling it Old Grove Road, so I was really confused this morning. Um, and, and there seems to be a need to bring everybody onto the same page. There's a lot of different ideas. Really, it became clear to us that all the stakeholders need to be going in the same direction. And it's interesting that when you speak to each of the stakeholders at various times, they've selling or buying or looking at other options for their property. So um, there is definitely some interest in exploring other alternatives, so nobody was a hard no. Um, but overwhelmingly, there was a lack of appetite for discussion about the proposed green line. And that was loud and clear from everyone that they really weren't jumping up and down about the road. So that was helpful for us to, to hear that. So where did that take us? So we went out and you know looked at what is out there, and and I've had the pleasure of actually being here several times on this site, and having walked it and seen it in both the winter and the, and the summer. So I know what it's like when you can look through the trees, and there's some existing conditions that do exist, uh, not only with some of the debris, although. Kudos to your DPW for cutting the grass. That was helpful in walking across it today. Um, but there's still chemicals in the ground. We've done some remediation that has removed some of the metals from the ground. But overall, and I will try not to butcher this, there are still chlorinated, volatile, organic compounds in the soil. There are still some polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons and there are still TCE and PCE chemicals that have not been removed. What we've done so far is we've done the assessment and we've done some uh, removal of the metals, which were dangerous. We still haven't looked underneath the building. We, you know, we had recommended it come down. That's not, it wasn't feasible and really need to look underneath that building. And that's part of what was built into that number that we had put in uh, for the governor's budget was understanding that that still had to happen. So what are our assets here? So the town already owns one of the parcels. You, you took it in tax taking, you have agreed, recognized you need to clean it up, and that's a great thing that you've started to address the issue. You have fantastic accessibility here. You have 140 and I-94-95 right there. You know, that gives you the connect connectivity to the highway system that industry likes. You have the commuter rail station. We all know commuter rail is good. Uh, Forge Parkway is there. And in addition, the town has some really helpful existing zoning bylaws. Both your <coughs> traditional bylaws and your special overlay districts really provide you with an array of options that we can work with. <coughs> so when we were tossing around ideas, everything <coughs> we could find was covered by something that was already there. So there's, there's no need to really reinvent the wheel on that. Of course, that does leave us with some challenges. The site is still contaminated as much as we would like to wish that weren't so. Um, and we are dealing with multiple parcel owners. So it, the town has one parcel, but 
we have at least one other we know is contaminated. We have one that has had some remediation. We all need to work together. Some of the parcels are landlocked or lacking street frontage, which presents some challenges. You do have my work there, and we need to be very careful about what happens with the brook. So that needs to be taken into account with the cleanup process that you would follow. Uh, interesting topography. So we need to kind of work through how that has to work. And then, as I mentioned before, the existing building conditions. We still don't really know what's in the back part of that parcel underneath the part of the building that came down. And you know, clearing out and being able to, to delve into what's there would be helpful. So from the recommendation, again, back where we, we started, we had to answer really three, three questions. Um, you know, the first of which was, is the access roadway project feasible you know, given the constraints that, that exist on site? And that's really what we focused our time on. Um, and then based on a close look of that, the constraints that you just heard, uh, we don't think that's the best option for that site based on the constraints that are there. Um, so we then took a, a, a closer look to say if that's not the best option, what might other options be to achieve some of the goals that we're, the town's trying to get on the property? Um, if you want to hit that, the, um, those are the parcels up front, the, the town parcels, the yellow one in the middle, and then up to the north you've got uh, Nick World Granite, and down to the, uh, to the south is the martial, um, martial arts building. So if the town pursued a, a land swap, perhaps, and essentially switched the, uh, the martial arts building uh, down south and, and combined those two, those two lots, that would really have two benefits with essentially overlooking some of the constraints that we had and kind of putting them in the, you know, to, the, to the side. By combining the lots, it would allow us to properly investigate and remediate that property. A big challenge right now is a town can't remediate the property they have as the abutting property is connected to it. You just can't do the work that needs to happen. Um, once, second benefit is once that project is, is done and remediated, the town will now have a parcel that's actually more favorably marketable. And with the land like that, it's, those are two very small parcels and there's only so much you can do with it. If you combine those two parcels and put them together, as shown, you have a lot more options of what you can do with that, particularly once, once it's a clean lot. Um, beyond that, just looked at the zoning that exists on site, and there's actually a uh, biotechnology use overlay. Uh, it's just on the other side, up on the Forge Parkway. Uh, we thought it made sense to extend that zoning down to this site to provide some added benefit to the uh, properties in question here. So when they start getting marketed and look for future development opportunities, uh, even though there are favorable bylaws in town, there's more options now with this overlay. The second question really had to do with a partnership and you know, could one be achieved between public and private to, to, to reach the goals we're all looking to do? And I think the answer is yes. There's many avenues available, particularly with EPA, mass EP, and mass development right now with uh, funding that is available to help with this cleanup. And if you can leverage those three agencies together, it will really maximize the benefit of what you can do on that property to achieve the cleanup. Uh, and that opportunity does exist. Um, 
Sorry, we, we did a switch on this relief picture here. Um, so the third one was kind of, is a way to put it all together. And, and again, the roadway is a idea that we, we get where the, the process and the thought process is behind it, but given current constraints, we thought, you know, that there's a better way of dealing with the way the stream cuts off the town property and the property next to it, and a way to clean that up separately kind of then benefits the whole from out of there. So how, how do we go about doing that? Uh, and really key is to discuss a sale with the 25 Grove Street owner just to the south of the town property to see if acquisition is even possible. If that is possible, then doing a land swap with 15 Grove Street uh, allows them to relocate their business, quite possibly also relocate their office across the street into one site, uh, and then enables the town then to, with a combined lot, clean it up, truly clean it up properly, because now you're not gonna have a building hanging off of another one. Uh, and and combine the use there that you can market it to uh, to developers or property buyers or anyone that wants to revitalize that corner uh, in a much better way than if it was cut in half and you still had maybe a dirty side across and and a site that was just being cleaned up and you just spent all this money to clean it up with. So the first step really is a discussion with 25 Grove Street um, to see if this plan can even be put into place. Um, the remediation, combining those, it's working with the EPA, which you have been, Mass DEP, Mass Development, which you have been, uh, putting funding on a site assessment and a remediation of that combined site. Concurrently, again, your zoning, we, we started looking into it, and sometimes we have to go into these on uh, advising how to change your zoning code or things to put in, but it's in a business district. You have great uses listed in there. You have great uses that aren't allowed in there. So you're not gonna get things you don't want in there. The one thought we, we thought would be nice to add was the biotechnology, particularly in the economy we're in now, how the greater Boston area is a you know, world leader in uh, bio lab and biotech. Um, and you know, along 495, you get a lot of biotech manufacturing. If you kind of expand that to cover all the parcels into the two Grove Street, uh, that really made a lot of sense to us. Not necessarily saying you're gonna get lab space there, it's just providing extra options. And just on that, on the remediation, I would add that if you were to combine the two lots and the town owned them both, they would now be eligible for the grant funds. Whereas right now you're reliant on the owner of 15 to apply for a loan to clean his property. Um, and that may or may not be something that could happen, but by having it all as one, now it's under the town's control to clean it to the level that the town would like to see that property cleaned to. Yeah, yeah, and then by, again, by doing all of that, you know, there were a lot of parcels we're looking at, now we're focused really small. The, the Renari parcel and the parcel that's the, the hotel, those things kind of, it's those, those can change over time and, and, and really see benefit. Um, as well as well as the community seeing a tremendous benefit in that corner, the landscaping, the hardscaping, and seeing it really done right along the railroad and along Grove Street. So once uh, remediation is complete, just doing some hardscaping and landscaping, making a pad ready, 
is a good step to take related to increases the desirability and marketability of the of the site. The site uh, with flexible zoning is going to give more options to a buyer, uh, thus increasing the market value and um, you know, increasing you know, the sale price for. for the Speak time. into the mic, Joe. Oh, sorry. Uh, so I was just saying for the the uh, for the zoning by expanding the the zoning include, to include biotech, it's going to increase the market value uh, and the desirability of the of the parcel. As Jim was mentioning, uh, biotech's no longer in Cambridge; it's it's going out. For final phase, recommend uh, reaching out to a commercial broker to to sell the property and some good uses. Uh, that are community focused, maybe uh, co-working space, maker space, uh, for artists, uh, creative uh, economy uh, stores, and uh, professionals, uh, retail component. You can have uh, gym, yoga, fitness. Uh, these will all be uses that can really uh, change and uh, you know really make a improvement to not only this, this site but to the surrounding areas. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, and again, we were here all day. Uh, we have the benefit of coming, dropping in and dropping out. Uh, we've been living with this for a while and continually with it, but we, we're hopeful this is uh, some kind of outside thoughts, some out of the box thoughts, a fresh look at it. And, uh, you know, we, we will continue to fine tune our thoughts in the final written report, uh, but are definitely open to uh, questions. Um, any other comments uh, will be helpful. Great. Thank you. Uh, I was expecting one more slide, the slide that went like, and it was all signed up. <laughs> but you guys didn't bring that slide. <laughs> uh, questions, comments from the council? Councilor Frangillo. Uh, thank you. This is great. Um, just to get clarity, I, I know that went through it a little but um what where where did the money come from just help me understand what money has been spent so far and by who so who paid that so for the for the grant for this process the yeah. mass development and um the town has done several hundred thousand worth of remediation in the past um but the price tag you know overall um, my predecessor dealt with this, many of you did, where the price was just always, like a lot of things, there's just too many priorities. And when you're up against dump trucks and fire engines and schools and facilities, it's just hard to carve out. And once you get started, and, and Marianne might know more about this than I do and any of the other engineers, I mean, uh, we have applied for a lot of EPA grants in the past. Uh, I think some of those have been diluted over the years where they haven't been authorized by Congress or um, the EPA has moved money around, um, but it takes, I think, a public-private effort uh, across the board on something like this to reach the full potential of the parcel. Um, and, uh, and so we've been kind of waiting for this process through the pandemic, obviously, but trying to figure out where are we going from here so we don't just keep throwing hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars at this with no real end goal in sight and no real, no real end zone to end. 
that's sorry, I don't know, Mary, I don't think So I, EPA has come in with some funding. Uh, that was how the metals got removed. Uh, Mass Development has done one site assessment that really we need something else to happen and, and access better access to the parcel, whether it's by taking the parcel next to it or somehow figuring that out. So we that's where we've kind of hit the wall and where um, we, we went to town a couple of years ago, we put the halt on. But the $284,400 the $284, number was the estimate from probably three years ago to start doing the work. So we know that's not enough, but EPA is at the table and they're also committed to working with this and, and Mass Development is committed to working with this. So we feel the timing may be right with the CARES money to um, help towns move this forward. And it's really important for us to see the economic value come out of this. And, and that's what we were, the focus we were looking at today. Uh, appreciate that. Um, can, can I get some assurance that there is a path where we get more money out as a town than we put in? Going for I'm not, like it. My fear is that we feel as though we put money in, and so we have to keep putting money in because we've already started. And but if there's if we're just going to keep throwing hundreds of thousands of dollars in as a town, and we're never going to get get that back, then then what are we still doing? So it sounds like there's enough federal, state, and maybe even private support so that we don't keep throwing uh, hundreds of thousands of, of dollars of town money in. I'm hoping to get some assurance. I would say that the governor's bond bill was uh, a very clear indication that he's taking this seriously um, on that level for the funding for the cleanup. My my guess would be I can't make any assurance on some of the other things the town may have to do to make all of this work. Um, but that as far as the remediation is concerned, both um, Mass Development and, and EPA, and we were in conversation with EPA today, would like to see the site cleaned up. And that that, that part we can help with. I, I can't promise more than that. And there may be other things that town has to do. Yeah, it's not an easy site, but the idea behind the land swap is that you get the two parcels together to clean it up. Um, it's a lot easier to say than done, but the idea being with a whole site on that corner, with a marketing effort, maybe the, the town can see some money coming back uh, and, and some fruit from its labor from 15 years of dealing with this. To follow up on Council Frangillo's uh, question, well, we can't do the, we don't have the room to do the cleanup unless we get the other parcel. So until that happens, we're pretty much dead in the water. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. Um, I think incremental, I think uh, Miriam kind of confirmed tonight the appropriation proposal in the governor's bill will help the next step, which will, if we were lucky enough to get that, I mean, we'd have to put out, get a contractor to take, to take down the structure. But that's another big, that's a big step that we've been waiting a long time for. So, um, this came out of nowhere a month ago, and you can only imagine when I saw it, I was like, whoa. I was like, where, you know, and that's why I'm giving her so much kudos for sticking with us on this. But that's a big step. And then after that, 
they said it, it's easier said than done, but we hadn't even thought of uh, the land swap concept. But I, what I'm hearing to Councilor Frangillo's question is, if that were to happen, and we were able to be successful, whether it's sooner or in long term, the return on investment to the town is not only, um, the return on investment to them, we could end up selling those two parcels together, which is going to be much more attractive given the assets of the location. You also have a clean site, but just to remind everybody, think of the, the, the property tax revenue for new growth that you would get from any one of the uses that were pitched, even if it was arts and culture and the creative economy, that's still uh, at the top of Grove Street, uh, you know, a great entranceway into Grove Street, whether it was labs or whatnot. So I think when you say return on investment, I would never sit here and I don't think anybody else would make that commitment that we would get that money back. But I'd like to believe that in a real estate market like Massachusetts, with the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, which is the next property owner right below, MassDOT, I make it, and then MassDOT's across the street as well. Uh, there's a lot of federal and state land around there. They also mentioned the Forge Park property right across. You can't see it, but obviously across the, the way. So maybe there's a way where all those agencies and stakeholders can get together at some point, and, and, and it would be remarkable. I also like the idea of probably a broker, which we hadn't thought of. Um, somebody who's uh, obviously uh, more expert in real estate than necessarily us. Um, so just a couple thoughts, but I don't think anybody's gonna answer counsel for Jill and say, if we put in another million dollars, we're gonna double our money for sure. I don't think anybody could honestly make that kind of a commitment. Counsel for Jill, you still Yeah, and your, your uh, question was similar to my, my third question, which was, this seems amazing. It seems like we have an idea here that we didn't have before with some a potential for um, uh, yeah, really finding some return on investment. Um, but what if they say no? Um, are you presenting us a, a, a plan B? Or uh, if that happens, uh, call it quits, you know, give up? Um, but, you know, are we going to be seeing that as part of you? Well, yeah, I think we, we can probably expand on that. For instance, we, we spoke about the land swap and uh, that if, if that parcel that we wanted to have purchased wasn't available for purchase, then the town may know of other parcels somewhere in, in the vicinity that could be similar uh, industrial for that, that purpose for the granite uh, shop. And, and just to back up on that, 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 those parcels were one parcel at one point in, in the past, and there's just a, uh, uh, an inc not competent party wall in between the two uh, uh, spaces in under you know the same slab. So you really know that the contamination that's under the slab of the the new uh, the new what what is it new new stuff new stuff it's been a long time. Is, is is also under that, that other slab so it's you know it's a common contamination issue so okay all right well, I'm feeling more optimistic than I was yesterday about this, so that's cool. thank you <laughs> thank you Councilor Fangelo Councilor Hamblin thank you Mr Chairman um, through the chair thank you for being here and, and actually doing this brainstorming for us um, it's it is very nice, as Council Frangelo said, to have an actual an idea of what we can do that we haven't thought of before. Um, actually, the chair asked the question that I was going to ask about the about both um, properties, but I think I, I have another question about. Um, so we don't know really how bad the contamination is in that area. 
Is that correct? I'm just trying to clear up. So, I mean, there's a lot of reports that we've yeah. looked at. Uh, and I am not an engineer, I'm, I'm a money person, so bear with me here, but I think we have a handle on it. I think the concern is some of the hot spots, we don't know how uh, extensive they are, and we'd like to wrap our head around what it would take. We didn't find anything that was causing us, I mean, if, if there were asbestos in here, this would be a whole different story, right? Because that the costs are, so high for any removal and they can escalate very quickly. If, if, as scary as some of the chemicals sound, they're not things that we're unfamiliar with or how to deal with remediation. Mm -hmm. So I think that the, while that cost is a couple of years old, so I, I do know it will go up just because unfortunately, try and find a contractor right now. I know, um, I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I, don't, I don't think that you're looking at a complete unknown. I think okay. you're looking at LSPs in general like to have everything, and when they can't get that last little piece of information, they leave themselves enough room to say, "I'm not. I can't guarantee because I couldn't do everything." Right. right. And nobody's going to crawl in a building that was partially coming down to do some testing. <laughs> well, and this brings, I get, I get it. This, yeah. this brings up a thing we talked about quite a bit, um, mm -hmm. so I appreciate this. We didn't bring this up. Um, in swapping with the land, the land of the south with a karate studio is there's a lot of wells there too. We don't know what necessarily the cleanup will be, mm -hmm. but if the marble or another light industrial kind of type use is there, you don't need a strong standard of cleanup like you would if it was a single family home or people right. were to put a garden or you're gonna put a daycare. You're so you're not doing any of that. You're really focusing, in our mind, we kept wrestling with this idea of this of the uh, brook right. and yes. and get you know what? well what if we took care of everything on that side of the brook and then it will just enable everything else to itself to develop right. and yeah there's some cleanup across the brook but you won't have to do such an extensive cleanup right. some has been done there which is why we have the wells and obviously we are letting there is an AUL on the property and uh, activities use limitation plan that's allowing the karate school to be in there, which is a good sign. Okay, um, that was great, thank you. What about, um, so is, I, I guess you just answered the question, but I'm not, I'm not sure, I was gonna ask you about other, other sites in that area that need to be cleaned up, and I think there are. Um, would, would um, and these things, in my mind, they need to be cleaned up. Like we need to take care of the environment, we need to make sure that um, we don't let this go into the brook. So, but I'm sure you're all, there are experts out there that can help us make sure it doesn't leach out even further. I believe you have an LSP on contract who, who has looked at this and, and would present an updated plan when you apply for the funds. So it's important to understand even though the governor would like you to have them. We still need an application filled out for them that would have a scope of work with an LSP who would look at, take all of your concerns mm -hmm. and incorporate that into the plan that they would write up for us to look at for funding. Excellent. Thank you all so much for your your long day here, Franklin, but we all, we all appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Uh, Councilor DeLocco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks. Thank you for coming on and trying to explain that. But my 
in, 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 in uh, Council Pagelli and Hamlin kind of hit on what I was thinking. The brook is what I'm really concerned about. Now we're gonna have, we're gonna have to clean that brook itself, right? That's gotta be contaminated too, right? Uh, have anybody done any testing there? I think based on the compounds, if it's if it's not the the metals that may have gone into the sediments, that I would assume the volatile organic compounds are volatile, so they'll just go into the water and then dissipate into the air. So uh, they they don't have residual contamination. They're 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 locked in the soil at a great concentration, and what happens is they off gas into the building. Yeah. So what you need to do is remove that enough of that soil, and then put under the under a new slab, put a remediation system where you're basically taking that vapor and bringing it above the building and, and into into the air in a in a passive. Uh, remediation uh, scenario. So, so that's and in, it, it looks like in 2008, um, the LSPs that you had identified the metals as a concern, which is why the removal was done in 2008. And in fact, in 2012 and 2013, when they went back to test, they determined no additional testing was needed on the metals. So I, I think we're, we're confident in the metal area, and like you said, the other chemicals are a little bit easier to deal with. Okay, I just wonder what we're going to get into the sediment because um, if we did the land swap, and I don't know how this is done, but could we get could we could that get into be a super site? Super fun site. Super, super fun, fun site. site. I'm not sure you're going to rise to the cost. <clears throat> to that. I'm just. Which you don't. Yeah. I, I would really, really hope not. Um, yeah. That's, oh. <laughs> 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 well, I grew up in New Bedford, so I'm very familiar with super fun sites. And, well, um, I grew up in High Park, and they're yeah. doing the Nabonta River right I, now. I would, so. I would like <laughs> you not to have to do that. Um, but no, I, I don't see this as being. Uh, something that is that big. Yeah, you're not even at. Um, in order to get to the level where we would consider you a priority project for mass development, we as an agency would need to spend over five hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and you guys, you're at thirty-five thousand right now with us. So you've oh, got okay. a long way to go before I even have to go to the board and explain okay. that you would need to be a priority project. All right, I was just wondering where we were on that. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Delaco. Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you to all of you for being here tonight. My question really was somewhat what Councilor DeLarco had. I'm just wondering, is there a, like a time frame for the contaminants? And, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, obviously concerned about the, the brook, but also the land and the fact that there is a nearby karate school with kids playing all the time, my, my own boys uh, included, uh, who I know there's uh, things that happen behind that that building all the time. Um, so should we be concerned that we need to maybe put uh, some sort of a barrier around that so that the kids aren't wandering over there? Or are there I mean, thoughts about that property? I would check with your LSP, but my inclination is if they, when the EPA was here and did the cleanup, if they didn't put that requirement on the site, then you're fine. Because they, they would have shut this down if, if they thought when they were involved, because anytime there's federal money involved, they are very good. I can tell you if you look in Rockland, you cannot go on the SD, not the SD property, the um, property right across from their town hall where they had the fire. They will not let you on that property. 
because they can't. So they can, there's no concern that the contaminants are in any way affecting where the karate school is then? I, I don't see anything that has been indicated in the report. Like I said, I would I would certainly take advantage of the fact that you have an LSP and, and they can look at that if they think it's traveling. But generally our concern um, with these types of projects would be, I wouldn't grow vegetables yeah, there. I say, no community gardens. I wouldn't grow community corner. garden there. Yeah. I would not, um, I would Grown. not necessarily, you know, do mud baths there, yeah. but, uh, even for that, you know, at the where the karate school is, it's cleared for use in that building. So that has it's a, that's an approved use for that site. And there's different levels of, of what the uh, EPA and Mass DEP will let you do on a site based on how clean it would be. It's a much higher standard for home ownership, daycares, and schools than even for rental properties where they can tell you you can't have a garden than it is for a business where you can cap it and then that where it is for an industrial area so it's really that first floor like ed was saying the vapor um, and the release of the vapor um, some of these projects that get at activity use limitation and they well will say you know the first floor will have to be all parking um, or only commercial and residential can be at the top so you're dealing with a lot of the vapor issues trapping the building the system that was explained sounds a lot like residential radon it's very, very similar very similar, very similar. Yeah. I'm familiar with yeah. that at least okay thank you very similar thank you council council sure so this to clarify, thanks for all the work you did today just to clarify you don't have to do much for the broke you don't think as far as I, I would have your LSP test again, but I, I think that indication so far from the, and you've had LSP reports going back uh, to the 2008, and then where you had work done, and then 2012, and then 2015, and then 2017. Mm -hmm. So people have been paying attention to this over time, and I, I've had the pleasure of working with Brian on this and he has a book that would rival most other <laughs> issues um, with all of that information. And so I, I think that's something they've been paying attention to, but it's always good to have your LSP look at it again. Definitely no fishing. <laughs> I, I'm not an LSP, I can't. Well, and, and, and it's I can't say that. It's important too that the LSP because the standards are always changing, the science is always improved, but you don't, there's not a petroleum, you know, if there's petroleum leakage and things like that, yeah, that right. water would definitely be a bigger concern. Okay. Um, but check with your LSP. Uh, thank you. That. Yeah. Thank you, Sheridan, Jamie, and then I'm going to go to Councilor Jones. Uh, thank you, Mr. Just a couple, uh, just on this issue, and I do have a question at the end after everybody else is gone. I just want to, um, before we all go down the, the road of, of, of getting uh, additional heightened, I think, uh, concern for this and the metals that are there in contamination, I just want to point out a couple things. One, the town has already done a half million dollars worth of remediation of taking those materials out. Uh, half of that, I believe 200,000, I think it was back in 08, was from the EPA. Number two, many of you, if not all of you, are familiar with 300 Fisher Street. Um, which does have a much higher designation than what we're talking about here. Um, the folks in the DPW who are outside deal with DEP, as we know, every day. I can assure you, if this was to be fenced off, labeled, cautioned, and with remedial orders, we would have already seen it, and we would have already been told 
through and through to do something about it. I think the fact that a half a million dollars worth of remediation, uh, and I say Fisher Street because that was one of those scenarios where it was fenced off. There was nobody allowed down there. If you many remember, and I know Councilor Jones remembers because he's asked about it a couple times, there's EPA trucks down there um, that had lined up that were on the street to do that remediation. So I just want to kind of set the uh, expectation at least a little that um, if there was something to be done, we would have absolutely already been told to do it. And, um, and so I do think the site for the most part, especially with the karate school and other adjacent properties for the time being, uh, is safe. Um, and, uh, and I think, except for swimming, fishing, and you pointed out, and dating, but the DPW also did put out boulders. Um, we were having some people try to go around in there, and if folks start to drive down and go uh, grocery, yeah. you'll see the boulders lined up mm -hmm. to prevent the traffic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I think many of us who have been a while, uh, around for a while, the word new stuff just, you know, brings goosebumps because it's just one of those tax takes that sometimes made a mistake on. But, um, in all honesty, from what I heard tonight, I think I think a lot of the proposals that were put on the table are, are viable. We've been trying to get rid of this piece of property now for some time, and they haven't really been able to come up with a useful way of uh, mitigating the problem. So land swap that works absolutely. I think it, I think it's our due, it's within our duty to clean up this piece of property mainly because of proximity to my brook. Plus the significance of the land. I mean, the land is as it so eloquently stated tonight is in a generally prime location. It's just off Grove Street. It's just, in a, you know, I'm sorry, I'm calling it exit 17 or what it's called now. But it's in a generally great location. We could, in fact, either make our money back or make a profit off of the sale of property in the future based on its renovation that's complete. Um, I like a lot of the ideas that I've heard tonight. I'm going to choose some of the concepts that came forth today. Um, other than that, I'd just like to see the ball because just, uh, the more we wait, the more these problems can propagate to a point where I just don't want to that. That's my two cents. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Blair. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Again, thank you for everything that you brought to us tonight. I'm sitting here with hesitation because I'm saying we've had so many problems with this piece of land, and now we're being asked to look into the piece of land that's next door to it. Is that gonna be double trouble for us now? I, I think it's been- We don't know, excuse me, we don't know what's there. And if we're going to purchase or trade, you're saying, or whatever. Um, for the years that we've gone through this with um, New Style, I, I'm hesitant. I think the only way you'll know is to actually do the testing. The, a private owner doesn't have to let you on their property to test it. They are, they were one parcel at one point. You as a town know what was, what was done on the parcel. It's the best I can tell you. I mean, I, I would really work with your LSP. Jamie. Um, could you just go back to the green line slide real quick? I, I, I really thought someone would ask, um, and I'm willing to close this door, 
Um, but I just have to ask, I, I, I respect uh, opposition. Um, you get a lot of it sometimes. Um, but let's just say everybody did agree and, and at least kept an open mind. Um, what's your take on the concept that, that's up there right now and, and the potential and, and you know what could happen? I mean, we've talked about this with the LSP, we've talked about this with planners. Um, and um, you know, it didn't seem like there were more roadblocks. And I'm just curious to get your, you know, forest view, if you will, or whatever kind of take you have on this concept. Well, uh, th yeah, right, just start first. You, yeah. you to, frankly, about Franklin, fra um, <laughs> the uh, the the upper parcel um, owned by Procon right now has access to that site. The site has topography issues. Okay, so and and where the green line is, is in the in the most usable portion of that site, the 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 site next to it, and then you you're you're going to do a taking in front of the only residential non-conforming parcel in in the in that collection of of spaces, which is is really not of interest to the to the owner to have a 50-foot a, a wide roadway going right in front of his house where he now has privacy and a brook in his backyard. Yeah. So, so that, you know, I think there's opposition on the top. Contamination as well. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, I, th I think, you know, we, we stated that there's really not great interest um, for that in, in the community. And, and when you're looking at the, the top of it where you want to make a roadway all the way through, there's opposition. Okay. So it's going to dead end somewhere if you did work on it. Um, it, it it's, it's a great thought, and we're not dead set against it. And, and when we were looking at all the options and hearing from everybody, you know, I completely get where this idea comes from. Um, and it's it's tough, like Ed said, the the best part of the topography for the property on the left is is right there. Um, you know, you, you solve a couple of problems, but you spend a lot of money on a roadway, adding utilities for two private uh, owners to maybe work around um, some of these issues then on the, the right side and access issues. And we really picked apart, there, there are a lot of access issues, I guess it's worth highlighting, not just the cleanup part, but the access issues and, and the road being now private and frontage and not conforming issues that have just developed over time. So it is a tough nut to crack. Um, but I think because of those, all those combined issues, this would be an uphill battle. The reason why I ask is when you take the land swap concept and you put the parcels jointly together and we talk about commercial development opportunities, you know, I just want to point out that if that, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, you know, down the road, you know, I just want to highlight that the two larger pieces inside um, do have some economic development potential. Obviously, the hotel is on the left side, the furthest. I believe there's a company with a second hotel. It was originally planned, but I don't believe that uh, would be necessarily right anymore. And I just, I think that there, I just want to paint the picture that uh, we respect um, the opposition and some of the challenges that are there from uh, some of the stakeholders. We, we, we've talked to a lot of people in the past. Grove Street um, has some of the same issues. Um, 
but maybe long after me or whoever, or maybe even long after Alicia, all of us, you know, somewhere down the line, there might still be possibility in, in, in being able to bridge some economic development um, through that area. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, I appreciate you brought that up because we were talking about well what happens next and we're like well there's 20 different things that can happen I wouldn't throw this away yeah. to your point um, you clean up the corner there's a swap there might be a road running through here with those two parcels together we don't know where the private ownership will go in the future but this could be a this certainly is not to be deleted and thrown away I appreciate that thank you any other questions or comments from the council? It would be nice if the state would just switch yeah. sides of the street. <laughs> they can have that side of the We've asked. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I get that. <laughs> Folks, uh, we can't thank you enough for yeah. uh, spending the day out there and putting all the time and effort into presenting this to us. I know uh, myself and Councilor Jones, Councilor DeLarco, Councilor Plague, we've been here a long time, and this comes up all the time. Every year there's a new style uh, discussion uh, of some kind. So trying to see that there may be the glimmer of hope or a glimmer out there is something that's really, uh, really great for me anyway, sitting here. Uh, thinking about what could possibly happen. So thank you so much, and we'll be looking forward to your final report. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. legislation for action and the first legislation is resolution 22-32 salary schedule full-time elected official town clerk clerk will read the resolution okay. uh, resolution 2232 uh, salary schedule full-time elected official a resolution amending Appendix A, Chapter 4 of the Code of the Town of Franklin, entitled Salary Schedule, Full-Time Elected Officials. Be it resolved by the Franklin Town Council that Appendix A, Salary Schedule, Full-Time Elected Official, Chapter 4 of the Code of the Town of Franklin, is amended as follows. Uh, Appendix A, Salary Schedule, Full-Time Elected Official, the Office of the Town Clerk, the incumbent salary now for 88608 uh, for fiscal year 23 would be 90,475. This resolution is effective for the fiscal year beginning July 1st, 2022. Second. So you got to move. Oh, move resolution 22-32. Second. Motion and a second. Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to amend, amend that to $96,000. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion on the amendment? Just, just clarify that. I, I remember reading, like, why, why don't they match yeah. Is that all you're yeah. that's what we're saying? Okay. Cool. Seeing 
No discussion. Uh, clerk will read the roll on the amendment to the FY23 salary to 96000 Amendment to 2232 uh, from 90,475 to 96. 96. Okay. Roll we'll call vote is Ledger. I'm going to abstain from this, Mr. Chairman. Okay. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Frangelo? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Amblin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Tolaco? Yes. And Mercer? Yes. Passes? Motion carries. Okay. Uh, move on to resolution. We have to now vote it as amended. Yeah, it has to vote for it as amended. I thought that was just it. No, you just inserted a new figure. Okay. All right. All right, so move it as amended. We're going to move resolution 22-32 as amended. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. I just feel like I should do my due diligence. I ask a quick question. Sure. So this all, I appreciate the, the support. I, I, this, this sounds like the right thing to do. Can I get some, uh, my understanding is that uh, we think that we're, we're very confident that the compensation classification study will show that um, our outstanding town clerk is underpaid. Uh, is that uh, part of this is a, a very, uh, you know, sure understanding that this is going to come back is we should be talking that. There's a, uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, there's a 100% chance that she is on the Any further discussion? Councilor Cornell Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Along those lines, uh, to the town administrator, Jamie, in your memorandum on June 3rd, I just, along with Councillor Frangelo's point. Can you just elaborate a little bit more in paragraph two about market adjustment commensurate with comparable communities of our same job title? I mean, I know we have a, a study that we're waiting on, but can you just elaborate a little bit more on which communities we're referring to? And this is in no means a, a, at all a slight on Nancy or the job that she's doing, just, just a question. Sure, it's a, it's a phenomenal question, uh, Councillor Cormier Ledger. So, um, what uh, is often, just for a little historical context, what often happens is um, there are numerous ways to do quote-unquote comparable communities. And our consultant uh, is actually has a, uh, a fairly flawless methodology that's used widely around the country, but also here in Massachusetts, in a lot of cities and towns, comparing things not just about budgets or population, but a whole series of metrics to show about the overall market conditions for any job. So there's a relative nature. So um, it's gonna be, uh, so that salary study is gonna be for all non-union uh, employees. Um, I hesitate to say the comparable communities right now because I don't wanna jump ahead of the consultant in the study, 
But it's suffice to say, it is not just area communities like Medway and Bellingham because they are much smaller budgets, much smaller elections, um, they have smaller populations, less work. Sometimes the work is not as complicated or as complex as our system here. And so really it looks at uh, much more applicable uh, metrics. It also measures distance. Okay, there's very, very few jobs where people in municipal government, where people jump up and say, oh, I'm gonna I live in Newburyport, I'm gonna move to Franklin to get this job. There's only a handful of those, if that, where people would relocate. That'll be noted in the study. The dynamic where this position is appointed in a lot of communities and elected in a lot of communities um, will also be pointed out in the study. I've confirmed that with, uh, with the consultant. So uh, I'm hesitant to say, oh, it's this town, that town, this town, that town, um, just in case the study doesn't show exactly that. But you can rest assured it's gonna be mostly communities around this 30 mile area of, of Franklin, you know, in the circumference. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions or comments? Seeing none, the clerk will read the roll on the on resolution 22-32 as amended. Ledger? Abstain. Sheridan? Yes. Uh, Chandler? Yes. Frangelo? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Delaco? Yes. And Mercer? Yes. Okay. Motion carries. Moving on. Resolution 22 dash 30, FY22, Capital Plan Round 2. Clerk will read the resolution. Capital Plan Fiscal Year 22, Round 2. Purpose to appropriate funds from free cash for the Fiscal Year 22 Capital Improvement Plan Round 2. Snow and Ice, DPW, $229,169. Technology, desktops, docking stations, and computers, $90,000. Roads, infrastructure, sidewalks, and SNET trail, uh, DPW, $510,237 for a total of $829,406. Finance Committee action um, of 5-9, uh, voted 9-0 to recommend the total amount. Capital Budget Subcommittee, 4-0, recommended the total amount of 829406 So be moved and voted by the Town Council that the sum of 829406 be appropriated from free cash to be expended at the discretion of the Town Administrator for the fiscal year 22 capital improvement plan round two as outlined above including any residual funds remaining in these line items this resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the town of franklin home rule charter move resolution 22-30 second motion and a second discussion jamie mr chair um i think councilor pellegrini just uh said it all quite well <laughs> dpw's here to ask answer any questions if folks have Council Plague, any uh, comments from the capital? No, we, we went over everything at our meeting and we're in agreement with this total. Thank you. 
Questions or comments? Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just have a question for the DPW about the SNET trail. I'm really excited about this. I hope you guys are too. Um, when are we going to get to start on it, Brutus? I'm disappointed that Brutus <laughs> didn't speak. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, it, we're actually, it's going out to bid right now. We anticipated in the agreement we have with the state that we'd get it, getting it done um, by the end of this fiscal year. So one of the things that came up was the material cost, but we've been working with DCR on that because um, what they want to put down is actually not was anticipated, but they're going to support us on that and they're going to buy the materials. But yes, it's going out to bid now, so we should have, it should be done by this fall. Could you um, let everyone know where the work is going to be done? So basically it starts on Grove Street and it goes all the way through Bellingham. And if anybody, the best example of material they want to use is what they use over in Holliston. If anybody's used the trails over there, it's almost like, a, um, it's not pavement, but it's a very compacted type soil that's easy to maintain in the future. Um, it's water permeable. So uh, that's the material they want to use. It's The only problem is that material is very expensive. It actually costs more than asphalt. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's better use of material. So like everybody else, we're looking for the long term out there. So and then we're also, where it crosses, um, Spring, Spring, yeah, Spring Street. Yeah. We're doing some drainage improvements there. We're able to get some okay. grants there, so that's all going to be tied in at the same time. That's great because so, it really gets kind of money there on yeah. Spring Street. Correct. And then the other thing I throw out there that Public Works is we're working on to take care of everybody is we're going because people are really using that. We're going to expand the parking lot that's right outside our, our well stations down there. That's something we're looking to do in house. Great. So we're going working through conservation right now to get that permitted and basically going to do a, a tiered parking lot. It's going to be one of the things we like to do. It's going to be a benefit, obviously, for the community. But we have some of the materials that, you know, if we do some road construction, so we can go ahead and move it over there, you know, instead of uh, taking it off site. So um, it should be a win-win situation out there, too. But that that probably might not happen until next year. Okay. But, uh, but, but that is great. in the plans. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamill. Any other counselors? Councilor Um I was hoping you could help me understand why snow and ice went up uh, as much as it did. Uh, it might just be short-term memory uh, that there was a lot more snow than the past five years. So I think that snow and ice number, that's what we didn't spend that was anticipated. That's, is that what you're asking me? Why it went up? Requesting $200,000 to, you originally budgeted a million, and but you ended up expending okay. 1.2. I'm sorry, you're correct. Yeah, so our so we did the, the um, obviously a five year forecast. I think remember I came back last right. year and I told you it's salt, right? Went from salt. 45 dollars a ton to 65 dollars a ton. So that we had to deal with that. And I think you folks remember, so we had three good storms that were very plowable, but I think you, you realize really we had a lot of the treatment of towns, so we ended up using um a little more salt than anticipated. So that, that's what drove up the 200,000 yeah. salt and ice this year. Cool. But we had, on record, we actually right online with um, as much snowfall, we were at 42 inches, I believe. And that's pretty much what we get all the time. Jamie. Through you, um, Mr. Chairman. So the, the total amount here, 1.285 for snow removal, is, is pretty average. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, if you, we do the five-year forecast and we do the average, that's what we put in the operating budget. Um, if we did a 10-year, uh, it might come around the same, for a little higher. Um, 
I hate to uh, to be this for next year because we're entering the summer, but uh, with cost of fuel, I, I think next year it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, to see those numbers are probably going to go up even higher. Scottsdale Delarco probably sees a mass for as well. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's crazy. This might, we might go back at this year and say this is cheap. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you. I, I, I know um, you, you are very conscious of uh, oversalting, especially oversalting um, particular areas we've connected in the past. Um, I could be, I know that you hear a lot of voices saying, uh, melt, our, melt my road as fast as you can. Uh, mm -hmm. If I could be one voice, um, push back and say, you know, um, we don't need to uh, use excessive amounts of salt. Um, I, I will say, I am also that voice too. When I do my snow and ice presentation, I've all seen the slides, and and uh, our water superintendent say that, you know, we use quite a bit of salt. We we've used a lot less over the years. We've reduced it quite a bit, but um, we're conscious. Because on my other hat is the water guy. You know, we deliver water to you, and we want to keep the salt out of the water. So we're very conscious about the amounts we put down, the timing we down the right application, you know, we, we use magnesium now instead of the, um, the basic chlorides because that's actually less impactful, but, it, but it's more expensive. So it, we're constantly, constantly doing that. So I, I do appreciate that. And, um, but then you gotta go back to the residents, as you said, because we get the call up, you know, I live over here and my, there's a little ice on my road. Slow down. <laughs> I'm, I'm the first to say it, I'll say it, say it on TV once again. If you're going down a subdivision road and you're doing 20, 25 miles an hour, you're not technically going to really go off the road and kill yourself. You might slide a little, so just slow down. You don't have to be doing 35, 40. Slow down when it's out there, and then you know that would save the town, that would save you, and it'd save all those calls. They want to call me up and tell me a wonderful job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, thank you. All right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'm very excited about, about this network. Uh, and I'm really happy that Mike's worked with uh, the Franklin Valley and Rail Trail Committee um, and, and been very open and um, given timely information on, on that process and connected around the grants. They were actually the ones who applied for uh, the drainage grants. Mm -hmm. um, so if anyone out there is interested in um, helping with some SNET advocacy, Franklin Valley and Rail Trail Committee meets once a month on Tuesdays over beers at 67. Um, find them online and uh, help make our sense <coughs> Well, just to reiterate, that's what that's what Franklin does great. You know, I, we got there ten years ago talking about doing this, and it seemed like a pipe dream at the time. And, you know, next thing you know, we got it going. Then the state came up with the money to build the the overpass. Like we never knew how we were going to get under. You know, when they came, a couple hundred thousand dollars for that. And now we're getting to this stage where the town we're mitigating with the state. You know, to help us out with our um, our land swap area. So these are just the things that keep happening. And it's 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 it speaks volumes for the town and it, and the volunteers that come out because they're like yeah we're gonna build this I'm like okay you know <laughs> ten years later here we are right it's almost done and now we're talking about building bigger parking lots because so many people use it and that's cool right yeah so perfect what's that council from you? any other questions from the council sure. councilor Jones you yes. Chairman, quick comment in regards to natural. First of all, I think these are these are valid investments. Uh, Brutus, to the point on the materials that you're going to use on the natural, have you considered or looked into um, the materials that they've used down at the Washington DC Mall? I was down in Washington DC. 
And what they've gone and done, we'll use the pavement, thank God, uh, for the whole stretch of the mall. It's basically like a, it's a small stone walkway. It's almost like a, a compact dirt with very small pebbles, as they have for like oh, 10. I didn't know if that was something that would be considered a viable option for so it looks relatively inexpensive considering the amount of foot area that there is on the wall. I don't know if that's something we can do. Mr. Chair, through you. Honestly, I have no idea what they're using down there. But the product you're talking about is similar what you're describing. Yeah. We're going we're going through DCR specs because that's that's what they've and I'm sure they've being the bureaucracy they have, they've <laughs> looked at everything. So this is kind yeah. of their choice, and that's what we're going along with. Understood. All right. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Uh, I just have one uh, one quick question, Jimmy. The technology, uh, where where are those desktops and docking station computers? It's a mix of both municipal and school. Uh, uh, that was what I was. I wanted to make sure everybody understood that it was both. If I recall correctly, Council Pellegrini from the meeting, um, I think these were 2014. Mm -hmm. Okay, was, if I recall correctly, it was 2014 computers. These were the the last of the last of the nooks and crannies of various areas that did not have any upgrades in the Yes, Windows 7. Windows 7, right. Second. Any uh, further questions? Seeing none, the clerk will call the roll on resolution 22-30. Okay, Ledger. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Frangelo. Yes. Pellegri. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones. Yes. DeLaco. Yes. Mercer. Yes. Motion carries. Resolution 22-34, gift acceptance, senior center, $100, fire department, $50. Clerk will read the resolution. Acceptance of gifts, uh, senior center and fire department, resolution 22-34. Whereas the senior center and the fire department have received generous donations, totaling $150 to be used at the discretion of each respective department as follows. Uh, senior Center, $100. Donation will be applied towards services and programs for senior citizens in the Franklin community. And Fire Department, $50. Donation will be applied towards the purchase of safety and other related equipment. Please see attached memo dated June 3rd for donor information. Move resolution 22. Oh, yeah, she's not there. Oh, you're right. You've got to read a lot quicker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the town council of the town of Franklin, on behalf of the senior center of the fire department, gratefully accept these generous donations to be used at the discretion of the senior center and the fire department. This resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 22-34. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jimmy, do we have the donors? Uh, usually they're listed on the... Yeah. Uh, they're in the memo. They're in the memo, but they're not in the motion so that the people don't hear 
Yeah. Mola and Ranieri. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul and Christine Mola and Mary and Donald Ranieri for the fire department. Just for the record. Okay. Thank you. I, I just think we should have them in the, the resolution. Okay. Because we and two. Okay. Any discussion? Further discussion? Seeing none, the clerk will read uh, the motion to approve resolution 22 34. Uh, majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Frangelo? Yes. Pellegrini? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. DeLaco? Yes. And Mercer? Yes. Motion carries. Resolution. 22-35, Cable Funds in Support of PEG Service and Programming per Mass General Law, Chapter 44, Subsection 53F, three quarters. Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Okay. No roll call for this. Okay, motion and second to waive the reading. Uh, Clerk will call the roll to leave the meeting. Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Frangelo? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Tobacco? Yes. Mercer? Yes. Motion carries. Now move. Move resolution 22-35. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Second. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I wave my remarks. So <laughs> Thank you. Again. Okay, seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-35. 35, a majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the vote. Yes. Delaco? Yes. Mercer? Yes. Motion yes. carries. Okay, moving on. Uh, resolution 22-39, authorizing the additional borrowing of money to pay additional costs of the Beaver Street Interceptor Replacement Project Clerk will read the resolution. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion and a second to waive the reading. Okay. Roll call vote. <laughs> Clerk will call the roll. Ledger. Yes. Sheridan. Yes. 
Chandler. Yes. Frangelo. Yes. Allegri. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones. Yes. Delaco. Yes. Mercer. Yes. See, you thought my job was easy. <laughs> Move resolution 22-39. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Simple. You know, um, obviously there's a couple slides. We got the team here. Um, at the end of the day, the cost is in action. Is <laughs> Since we waived the reading, maybe we could get a brief summary. Well, we, we will. We, we okay. got a little thing up here. So uh, really quickly, though, um, we're at the uh, in the final stages of applying and, and getting authorization for our, the SRF loan, uh, which is a state program. Because we're a housing choice community, just for four years, we can save another half a percent on the interest rate, which is huge. That's millions and millions of dollars on a project like this. Um, and so we really, as everybody I think in the room agrees, we know we have to get this started. Um, I know the sticker shock. I, I, I feel it myself. Uh, we authorized 25 million earlier this year for the Beaver Street Interceptor project. And, and unfortunately, due to the cost globally, all the stuff we're all heard about, um, the cost is now at 33 million. Um, and we're going through the application process with the state. Um, they've, uh, they've wanted us to update this. Um, and as I said in the memo, and I think you're gonna hear this from, uh, from Scott and Brutus and, and Doug and Jake and everybody, um, we all know that the cost of inaction and the potential catastrophe that looms um, far exceeds the uh, additional $8 million that uh, we're being requested to authorize on this project. I would just note, just because we're authorizing it does not mean we have to spend it. So as this goes over the next few years, and as the shovel hopefully hits the ground in a couple of years, we can all keep our fingers crossed that maybe fuel, petroleum, asphalt, labor, you know, whatever it is can help come down. I do not believe the cost of labor will be, because that means people make less money. That's not a good thing, but obviously materials um, and stuff of that sort. So Brutus has promised me, and Scott has promised me, there's only a couple slides, just so they can show where the cost, they really want to show where the cost drivers are, so the public is aware of where the additional aid and authorization is. Brutus, Scott? Or who? Jake? Mr. Chair. <laughs> Go ahead, Bruce. So, yeah, I, I, introduce yes, I'm joined by uh, Doug Martin. He's a water sewer superintendent, and Jacob Stanley. Um, he's the assistant water superintendent. And we have a couple of folks from Arcadis if they need to come up here, technical questions. Um, uh, Jamie kind of oversaid it. Just to remind everybody, this is a 108-year-old piece of infrastructure. And this picture is one of my favorite because it shows exactly where it is. The worst place possible you could put a sewer line next to a river by train tracks on the other side of 140. So when I came to you back in October of uh, 2020, that was the point we went ahead and we hired a firm to go ahead and figure out how much this is going to cost. And you know the estimation at the time we were just throwing darts. So they went through a bunch of stuff, studies, borings, looking at anything, meet with the railroad, you name it, we've been doing this. So where we're at right now. See, that's why I got him. <laughs> so, project updates, uh, the new Beaver Street pump station, Force Main, basically six million gallon pump station, three pumps, that's gonna be located um, near the rec center on um, Beaver Street. We're going to have put in uh, 4,000 linear feet of 18 inch Force Main from the pump station to discharge on Pond Street. Basically, in layman's terms, we're going up 140, which is gonna be 
interesting. We're, when we got safe rooms. We're rehabbing about 6,100 feet of existing pipe and we're gonna be secured in place. That's that plastic lining we've done on town, various locations. Um, we're installing 6,000 linear feet of new gravity sewers. Um, we've been working with the MBTA and Keolis. If anybody's worked with the railroad, that's very interesting. I won't even get into that. But um, luckily we have five locations that we, uh, we have to cross. Uh, three that will be jack in place, basically. You go down, you dig underneath it, and they'll be, they'll be there when that happens. We got two uh, pipe rehabilitations secured in place. And obviously we're abandoning the existing um, Beaver Street Interceptor from Panther Way to uh, Franklin Village Plaza and Route 495 Crossing. Um, we anticipate bidding uh, in August this year. Part of the timing what's going on is we have to have the authorization from the council to spend the appropriate amount of money to be considered for SRF funding. Um, and I think uh, Jamie brought up a good point. You know, we came to you with the, the, the water treatment plant and, you know, it was $15 million and we did come in on the budget on that. So that is, but we have to be able to do that or we won't be eligible. Um, so where we're at right now, the Beaver Street Interceptor replacement cost, construction is basically $28 million. Construction and post-construction engineering, obviously, we got to make sure everything works and it's, it's all done correctly. Uh, police details, so it comes out to basically $33 million. Um, this is by far the biggest public works job that's ever been done in Franklin, cost-wise. Um, it's a 30-month uh, construction duration. These costs anticipate, obviously, a 15% contingency and escalation. You know, that could go up more, so it's actually less than that, or it could go down, but that's just how we do things. Uh, bidding and warning service are included in construction engineering and RSRF eligible, so that means we get the low-interest loan. The initial study that we had to do, that was appropriations directly from the sewer fund, so we didn't borrow that one. Basically, we had it in place. Um, the good thing we found out, Doug's been doing a good job with this, uh, this potential uh, loan forgiveness. What that means is there's about about 30 million? Yeah, um, there's, so there's gonna be, um, through the bill by uh, bipartisan infrastructure law, um, there is an appropriated amount for uh, clean water SRF financing. 49% um, of, I think it was like 60 million, um, is going towards uh, affordable communities. So uh, there's an affordability tier that those communities need to meet. Those are your New Bedfords, Fall River, so those kind of communities. We don't meet that. Yeah. The remaining 50% uh, uh, is um, uh, gonna be split up amongst the remaining communities. So. Uh, we will get that chunk of change was about 30 million. Um, uh, however, we won't know what that number is going to be until everyone submits their loan applications in October, uh, and then the state uh, works out the, what the numbers are. But uh, basically, we could get a couple grand off our, or a couple million off our loan. Yeah, that's and, where we're. Thinking. And the nice thing about this, I tell you, doing this in the past with SRF, this percentage actually rather high for loan forgiveness. Usually, it always goes to the impoverished communities for the loan forgiveness. Yeah. So, so this is actually kind of cool for us. That this we're is actually, an added benefit. Yeah, Normally we wouldn't be, you know, other than the housing choice uh, percentage off, which is huge, like Jamie said, uh, we wouldn't qualify for any loan forgiveness. So, so this is a good thing, another yeah. reason to get it in. Um, and Jamie kind of touched on some of these things, cost increase factors. Obviously, I started with the ones I think everybody knows, fuel and freight have gone up, uh, supply issues. Availability of materials impacted some of our design decisions, like what materials we're going to use because some was cheaper than others or more expensive. 
but the project factors, this is part of the study that we did, you know, exposed pipe on West Central Street, wetland soil conditions required pilings, that's down by um, PJs. So where the pipes got across there, we actually have to raise it up and use concrete. So we didn't know that, it just cost money. Um, rehabilitating the Grove Street siphon chambers, that was probably the study we gotta go ahead and fix that, that's existing stuff. Groundwater on Grove Street, anytime you're putting a pipe in the ground, you have to, it's called dewatering. It's uh, A, you treat it, and it's expensive, just to get the water out so we can put the pipe in. Um, rerouting the Beaver Street interceptor around Franklin Payne, this is kind of interesting. The interceptor actually goes right through Franklin Payne, you know, way back in the day. It goes under the building. Yeah, right under the building. So we kind of want to go around that. I mean, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. Back in the day, they probably like, oh yeah, put it there, because it's perfect, but that doesn't make sense anymore. Um, we want to have access to it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're closed, sorry, you can't come in. Um, additional paving on the state and town road, you know, as, as we figured everything out, and then the cost of that. And then replacing, abandoning existing and adjacent utilities, stuff that's already out there that we have to, we had to move, or just because of grading and stuff like that. So those are the actual things, whether we had inflation or anything else would have drove the cost up that we did not know, that's why we did the study. So that's basically where we're at with it. And I'm sorry to bring bad news about this. Thank you, Bruce. Questions from the council? Councilor Frondillo. Uh, yeah, two questions. Um, one, uh, we're very proud of our AAA bond rating. Did that affect this process at all? I believe I believe SRF funding is you know pretty standard at two percent. Um, that's what the loan would be, um, uh, and then obviously with the uh, housing choice, you get the half percent uh, deduction. So I don't believe so. I'm Jamie, can correct me. So through you, Mr. Chair, the AAA bond rating has no effect uh, because the point, the entire point of the SRF program as well as the Clean Water Trust, I mean, essentially their sole purpose is to have a fixed rate on public infrastructure projects relative to water sewer. No, realizing obviously those are public goods that we need to have a civil society. Um, the one benefit that did not come into play uh, until recently was the Housing Choice Program, which we were uh, a member of from the start. Um, and we missed it by a week. We got into a lot of fights with DEP about it, but. Um, we got the 2% automatic loan on the water treatment plan, but um, you know, our patience and diligence on housing choice hopefully will pay off on this, where we'll be at a percent and a half. By contrast, the AAA bond rating when we went out to borrow from Maple Hill um, just a month ago was at 3.3% interest rate. So we want the SRF loan for sure, because that'll cut the project costs at more than half. Yeah, plus in, in addition to get the loan forgiveness, the money right. that are available, we have to go through the SRF program. Um, we didn't set aside money over time to pay for this. Why we have to go out and borrow 35 million? Would we consider a stabilization fund for something for a project like this going forward? Through Mr. Chairman, we wouldn't. We wouldn't consider that at all because of the SRF program. If the SRF program were here, uh, weren't here, we every city or town would be on a different plane on these things. The SRF program was designed essentially to take those those choices off the table and present a streamlined program system for cities and towns to make sure they can manage the costs. Otherwise, could you imagine when interest rates were 8, 9, 10, 13%, 30, 40 years ago? 
on a project like this, nobody would be financing them. I mean, they wouldn't have the money to do it. So um, kudos to the state decades ago for setting this up with the Clean Water Trust, but um, we wouldn't set up a stabilization account or a savings account or anything like that. This is the only real way to go. Yeah. I mean, I guess from uh, maybe this is too high level, but uh, this is a hundred year, potentially a hundred year uh, project. We don't know what the uh, world will look like. We're lucky that the government borrows you know, an infinite amount of money to help make it so that we don't have to worry about how much we're paying on the infrastructure. But if someday they don't, then um, those who put money aside will be better off than those who didn't. Mr. Chairman, you, you're correct. Um, I think it's been about your ability to pay. Um, it's tough to say. I mean, if the town 50 years ago started putting away 50 cents in a piggy bank, you know, maybe there'd be money there, but obviously, you know, the town wasn't thinking about that even in year 70. So, I don't know, it's hard to say. We're at where we're at, and this is certainly the best option, for sure. Thank you, Councilor Fungillo. Any other councilors? Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, to Brutus, quick question. What is the expected timeline for completion again? 30 months. 30 months. 30 months. 30, 30 months starting approximately how old? Oh, we hope to start this fall. We got to, yeah. Okay. We gotta, what is we the likelihood? What would be, actually, I guess my real question is, what is, would be the significance of us potentially um, maintaining the old BB students separate once the new one is built in order to have less than the capacity, A, on the new one, and B, just to kind of keep the old one working, or is there just a plan to uh, demolish, do away with the old one? Well, Councilor, go ahead. Um, I, I think. It's, it's just been presented all along and that we've been talking that we are we have done everything we possibly could to extend the life of this this infrastructure through cleaning sealing and everything else we are at capacity right now and we're at the point now where um yeah hey, you want to go to vegas you know roll the dice the, the best example i can talk about is plymouth and their their sewers one third the size of ours and it cost them seven million dollars after theirs blew up just because they had to do it right then now so what we're planning on it we're actually ultimately saving money it has to be done and we've been talking about this for a long time i i understand that. what i'm getting at is once the new one is complete would it be in our interest to keep the old view students separate functional even at some capacity no we actually looked at the um, that was part of our study you know, we looked at putting another one next to it, keep using that one as, you know, redundancy and everything else. The costs were just too prohibitive. And then potentially, um, even if we were using it, it, it could still fail. And actually, I believe by not using it or using a limited capacity would increase it, the failure rate because, believe it or not, the way it's being used now, we're keeping it clear because it's, it's so capacity. It's like a water pipe. It's under pressure, which you don't want in a sewer. Right. Plus, plus, at the end of the day, you still have a you know a hundred nine year old plus piece of infrastructure in a wetland area. It, it's not a real good spot for so. Right, which leads me to the next question: What do we do with that old Beaver Street interceptor once we're completing the project? Do we it's part of the project cost to get rid of the remaining pipe? Is that true? 
huh? Yeah, we fill we fill it with grout. Yeah. Okay. So a solid piece. Included in that cost number, there was uh, money for abandoning in place and filling sections. So remove manholes and that kind of stuff. All right. So you foam it up. Yep. Yep. When we get to that point, we will, we will be having a celebration, and I will be. <laughs> can we can we get a picture of you sitting inside the pipe like from a hundred years ago? And you... Get it done, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor Jones, Councilor Cornelizer. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. My first question was answered because I didn't understand what abandoning quite meant. So thank you for that. Um, I guess my next question is: Have we? I'm sure you have, but have we fully thought through economic impact to businesses or even inconvenience to residents for 30 months? Like, what are we doing? Because it's going to obviously cause a huge traffic problem, cause a huge just issue for three years, which is necessary. But I just want to make sure we're thinking through communicating that to those businesses and residents and maybe helping in whatever way we can. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, uh, uh, yes, we did, and it's we understand it's 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 going to be a big thing. It's going to be a big impact, particularly on business. As we did, we had we had very well trained with the downtown project when we did that. You know, obviously, it takes a lot of public outreach. It takes a lot. We do the best plans, but different things will come up. The contractors are very aware of this. Um, we looked at different design things. Actually, instead of doing open trench, we're going to be doing some uh, underground. We are, do, we are doing open. We are doing open. Yeah, we okay. But we, we did look at the feasibility to uh, uh, directional drill. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, subsurface characteristics over there aren't, uh, you know, don't, don't really make it feasible uh, for us to do that. So, uh, but, but all the work is going to be primarily in one of the uh, 140 lanes, correct? Northbound lanes. So. Um, will limit uh, impact as much as possible. Um, and obviously, you saw the police number. Uh, there's a lot of money in, in there for uh, for traffic control. So. And one thing we were able to take out the intersection of the Stop and Shop Plaza. We'll not be affecting that. We'll be going off to the old West Central Street. So that's that's a huge in intersection to deal with. Are there any areas that you anticipate are going to be like badly affected? It depends on the business and everything else. Yeah, there'll, there'll be folks up there, you know. And it's like any other construction project. I, when we say 30 months, they're not going to be affected for 30 months. You know, they'll be affected more, say, one or two weeks when it's in front of the yeah. property okay. and stuff like that. Okay. And we, that, you know, we work with those folks. You know, it's always been business open signs we'll put up, okay. and we'll, you know, we'll notify them in advance. And, yeah, I mean, a couple of weeks, I think people will sort of bear with it. If it was a terribly long time and they were losing customers or something they might come out at us looking for a different solution but we'll, we'll deal with it when it comes yes thank you and I, I would add i don't want to speak for contractors but on average once they get going they're probably doing about 100 to 200 feet a day so they could move pretty quickly to put put that main in uh, so. great thank you councilor chandler three mr chairman two the man um when you first presented this to us and we voted on it and gave us three options and we all voted on the most expensive option which was the best one I know this is tough because it's going up what 20 something percent to 8 million mm -hmm. but the reason I'm bringing that up is we just I need everyone at home to understand when they're asking me these questions this has to be done it has to be done there's no way around it so 
it just, that's the answer, we have to do it. Mm -hmm. And to Councilor Comey-Olega's point, you're gonna get a big, big joke for three years every yeah. day when you walk in the when you walk in the coffee shop, but it's gotta be done. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor DeLarco. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chairman. Thanks, guys, that, that was great. I just, uh, it, I agree with Councilor Chandler. It has to be done, and I <clears throat> have a sister that lives in Plymouth, and you, you just for everybody out there, you really don't want to want to know what her tax bill is now, because it is outrageous. So you know, so just letting everybody know out there, they got hit really bad. So, Mr. Chairman, Council Orgo is exactly right. Well, they had to finance that seventy million dollars. This is all being funded out of user fees. People mm -hmm. that use the sewer. You know how we do our debt services. Plymouth found itself in a place they actually had to go to the tax base. And less than 25% of their residents are on sewer in Plymouth, mostly for the downtown area. And I think everybody knows how big Plymouth is. Yeah. So they actually had to take the additional funding, almost $40 million, they had to buy, finance out of the general fund. So you're exactly right. It went back to taxes. And they said, we don't want that. Yeah, we don't want that. And that would be, you know, this is a big number to absorb, don't get me wrong, that we have potential SRF money. But if we had to borrow money now through 3.8, just to pay for that, it's so it's, it's a very valid point. We just don't want to. We, we put it off as long as we could. So, thank you. Any any other counselors? I guess the only thing I would close in saying for thirty months. <laughs> <laughs> we said you know, like this. <laughs> yeah. And just cross our fingers that. It holds out for the next 30 months. Okay, seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-39, a two-thirds majority roll call votes required. Clerk will call the roll. Okay, Ledger? Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Angelo? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Hamlet? Yes. Uh, Jones? Yes. Tobacco? Yes. Mercer? Yes. <coughs> Motion carries. Gentlemen, thank you. Very no, thank much. you. Thank you for coming. Okay, moving on. Town Administrative Report. I'll set it to I love those town administrators. I know. Wow. I can't get away. <laughs> Subcommittee reports, capital. No report. No report. Uh, budget, there's no report. EDC, there's always a report. There's <laughs> always a report. <laughs> <laughs> you are absolutely correct, Mr. Chairman. Um, today we met early before the meeting with the, with the EDC. The town administrator is still laughing. Um, the steering committee for the Franklin for All project we will be meeting on August 10th at 7 o'clock, at 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock, um, when we have more time to discuss the final, after the final recommendations from the Franklin um, Hall project comes to us, and so we're, we're all going to pick our top three and see where the cards fall, but we want to make sure that we have um, that we give the staff direction, and so 
because um, they can't do everything at once, so we're going to try to make sure that we have our priorities in order. So thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hanlon. Uh, okay, no other subcommittee reports. We'll move to future agenda items. Councilor Sheridan. Okay, this time. Councilor Frangelo. Um, possible agenda item. Okay. Uh, next meeting. Um, the I'm very proud um, of to be working with a whole bunch of volunteers who are putting Franklin's first Pride Day and Pride Celebration event together um, at the end of this month, the 26th. Um, that week we have a meeting, and I don't think that the town has ever officially recognized Pride Month. I thought it might be an opportunity uh, for us to, you know, recognize the town um, June as, as Pride Month. So I, I'd like to see that if we can. Okay. Thank you, Councilor Frangelo. Councilor Hamlin. Nothing at this time. Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Given our discussion during the last uh, budget meeting, can we ask uh, Chairman Kay Kelly to come to a future meeting and talk to us about the Franklin Cultural Council? Got that, Jim? Yep. Yeah. Thank you. Councilor Chen. Nothing at this time. Council Flagg. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to see and invite the um, Preservation Commission, the committee, you know, to come before us. The Historical Commission? Just so that they can let us know what they've done and how the money's been expended and what they have and all of that. They, they just met the, uh, last night, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So. I'll talk to the chair, Feely, and the chair. Uh, all the um, the three recommendations that they approved last night will be on the June twenty second agenda anyway. Uh -huh. um, so they might the appropriation. They so I'll I'll invite them to see if anybody see if wants to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Councilor Flicker. Councilor Delacroix. Nothing at this time. So, Councilor comments. Councilor Cormier legend. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to say thank you to our Veterans Administration and everybody who put the beautiful Memorial Day uh, celebrations together for town. Uh, both the breakfast and the services on the common were um, you know, truly top-notch and I think a, a wonderful tribute to, to our veterans and to our fallen. Uh, and to uh, Councillor Frangelo's point, I do want to wish everybody in town of the LGBT community a very happy Pride Month. Thank you. Thank you. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Actually, to piggyback on the um, Memorial Day, I actually saw uh, Buck Catalano um, in the barbershop. Mm -hmm. I shook his hand and I uh, said thank you for everything you did that day. You did a great job. He was appreciative and uh, it was nice to see him out. And one quick thing. Last time, <laughs> I told you guys that I finally got rid of my answering machine, but um, <laughs> maybe you brought it back. And, and I know <laughs> I've been waiting for calls, and I've been answering all the telemarketers, thinking they were residents on my cell phone. But if you get a chance, Julie, in the back, um, they never changed it on the town website. So the number is 508-922-9036. It's no longer my 
Starting this week, um, if you look up Art Walk, I mean, there's so many events, you, you can just find them all. Our, uh, Franklin Art Walk, you'll know, put the stroll, uh, the story walk, art. It's just amazing to see so many uh, of our um, organizations working together the Cultural District, uh, Downtown Partnership, uh, Franklin Arts Association, uh, Cultural Council. They're all working together, just putting on a whole series of events um, that are going to be very exciting. Um, yeah, there's still war going on in Ukraine and um, people uh, losing their lives and, and livelihoods. And so um, I'm excited to see that uh, there's a group getting together to, to stand in solidarity. Um, that's five on Sunday at the Town Common. Um, and then two other events, 12-4 uh, on June 26th, Pride Day at the Town Common. Don't miss that. That's going to be a blast. Um, and also a Juneteenth open mic at the library. Uh, on the 18th at 2 p.m. So many exciting things. <laughs> Hope to see you all there. Thank you, Councilor Frontier. Councilor Hedman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, to add on to the Memorial Day, um, to, th to thank everyone who was involved in that, I just wanted to thank everyone who was involved in the graduation on Friday, last Friday, uh, facilities, DPW, all the school department and the band. It was a wonderful ceremony. I want to thank the DPW, the Boston Brewers Foundation, and especially Ryan Jetty, the best rec department um, leader anywhere, um, for the, the great celebration of opening up the field the street hockey rink at Fletcher Field. Um, that, was, that was a wonderful thing. It's great to see all the families out having fun. Um, okay, we already talked about the strawberry stroll, but we did not let people know that Dean College parking is open to the public. So if you want to park on the park at Hillside or near the Student Center, those parking lots are open to you. Also, handicapped and senior parking is behind Dean Bank. And there will be the official opening of the Ladybug Trail, which is another thing that's going on um, along with the Art Week and everything else um, that's happening in Franklin, which is really exciting. And um, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hammond. Councilor Clayton. Call. Well, I don't have anything to add. Everything has been said, so I say ditto to everyone's comments. Um, we just have to be so proud of our community, Franklin Mass does so much for the people and um, I thank you for all the volunteers. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Councilor Jones. Uh, what they said. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Feel better. Good job. Feel better. Feel better. Yeah. 
Councilor DeLarco. <clears throat> thank, uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Everybody said everything. It, it is a, a wonderful month for the town of Franklin. It's going to be awesome. Unfortunately, I'm going away, so I won't be at the strawberry, strawberry stroll, but I hope everybody has a good time. Um, and the Memorial Day Parade, it was so awesome to block off that street that we've been talking for the last couple of years and the bells weren't going and you could actually hear it. Everybody, great job, Jamie. That's awesome. Fire Chief. Fire Chief. Fire Chief. Fire Chief. And uh, I just want to let everybody know, uh, as of August 1st, the Safe Coalition is going to be moving from Norfolk. We just, we're going to sign a lease down at the Mosley Mills for 4,600 uh, square feet because we really need it. So, it's awesome and uh, Norfolk was great, but it's just too small. We, yeah. Yeah, this is going to be much bigger, much better. So, and, and plus, we originated in in, uh, in Franklin, so it's good to be all. I would reiterate all my fellow counselors, uh, June's going to be a great month, a lot of activity going on in town. I'd like to thank the uh, youth hockey kids that were here this evening and the Franklin uh, High School Theater group that was here, here this evening. Those are the fun things we get to do every once in a while, bringing these groups in and recognizing them. And I think it's really good for the community to see that recognition uh, come from us as the town council. So with that, there is a need for executive session. Uh, but I do need to recuse myself from the executive session. So I'm going to turn the gavel over to uh, Vice Chairman DeLarco, who will handle the rest of the meeting. Ladies and gentlemen, have a wonderful evening. Good night, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. 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 So there is a need for executive session to consider the purchase, exchange, lease, or value of a real property because of an open meeting may have detrimental effect on the negotiating position of the public body. And the chair so declares Schmidt's Farm, Prospect Street. Motion. Debbie needs to read that. Debbie, you need to read that. Read the same thing. You make the same thing that he just read. Yeah, you, you make the motion. Okay. Okay. You make the motion. I just. No problem. Ex um, exec to go into executive session exemption number six to consider the purchase, exchange, lease, or value of real property because an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on negotiating position of the public body, and the chair so declares. Uh, this will be for Schmidt Farm Prospect Street. And not to resume an open session. And not to resume an open session. And not to resume an open session. Second. There's a motion and a second. Clerk will call roll. Yes. Sheridan? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Rangelo? Yes. Allegri? Yes. Hamlin? Yes. Jones? Yes. Yes. DeLaco? Yes. And Tom has been recused. Motion passes. 
We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.